Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Casting Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with host Andre Bella is up next. Good morning. This is Healthy Options, um, a program that addresses integrative health therapies. I'm your host for today, Andre Bella, and um, we're going to be talking about shamanism and specifically weather shamanism. Our guests for this morning are Nan Moss and David Corbin. Um, they are both faculty members of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, a worldwide organization founded by Mar- uh, Michael Harner, and they are certified by the Foundation as shamanic counselors. They teach beginning and advanced courses for the Foundation at locations throughout the no- uh, Northeast, including Boston and New York City, and may I also say Port Clyde, Maine. They also teach the Foundation's most advanced courses, the two-week and three-year programs in advanced shamanism and shamanic healing on the East Coast. And additionally, they lead five-day shamanic workshops and month-long intensives at Esalen Institute in California. Their interest in the spiritual aspects of weather is an ongoing one, and they have been teaching and doing research on this topic for more than 10 years. They've presented their introductory workshop, Weather Dancing, Shamanism and the Spirits of Weather, since 1999 in the U.S. and in Canada. They've published Cloud Dancing, Wisdom from the Sky, a set of shamanic divination cards and guidebook using cloud images, as well as two articles on the spirits of weather and shamanism, the Journal of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. Their new book, Weather Shamanism, is available through Amazon or at your local bookstore. In addition to their training in core shamanism with Michael Harner and the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, Nan and David have also studied with indigenous healers from various cultures, including, and I might need help, David (laughs) and Nan with some of these pronunciations, but including um, Siberian, is it Tuvan? Tuvan. Tuvan and Sami? Sami. Okay, Sami, Chinese, and Native American shamanism. They are the founding members of the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. And I was going to add a little note. First of all, I'd like to say welcome, Nan and David, Thank you. both it's of you. Thank you. And I just want to add a little personal note on how I actually met Nan and David. Um, I was listening to a teleseminar on IONS through my computer. IONS is the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And I was listening to a teleseminar where Michael Harner, the the founder of the Shamanic Foundation, was the speaker. He was being interviewed. And I found him totally and completely fascinating. He was talking about shamanism not as some very strange thing from another culture, but he was talking about it as a common human experience throughout human history. And he was talking about how he had taken these commonalities and brought them into an interpretation for Westerners. And Nan and David can say this much better than I can. But all I can say is that I I really got quite hooked on what he was talking about. And at the end of the interview, he said, well, try a weekend workshop and see if it's for you. 
So I went online and I looked up the workshops and the workshop locations, and they were in Bucharest and Tokyo and London. And I thought, oh, I could go to one of those places. I, I guess I could figure that out. And then I saw Port Clyde, Maine. And I thought, oh, I'm home free. I like this. I'm going. So I did go to a workshop last summer. It was totally and completely fascinating. It was taught by Nan and David. And then I actually went to another workshop after that that was equally fascinating. So I hope you will be as intrigued and fascinated by talking with these two wonderful people about a subject that I think is appealing to everyone on some level. We're going to talk, first of all, about shamanism itself. And I do want to tell the listeners that this will be a call-in show. We will ask you to call in the second half of the show. I'm going to give you the call-in number now if you'd like to write it down, but please don't call until 1030. That call-in number is one 866 625-9378. And we will be giving that number again toward the half hour. So it is a call-in show, and I hope you will call in and ask Nan and David questions. And we're going to get started by, uh, I guess, starting out with that first very big question, what is shamanism? Well, first, I just want to thank you for letting us be here. This is an incredible opportunity to be able to to be here in our home state talking about this work. Um, and, you know, the, the question of what is shamanism is really a very large question. And it's, it's something that is many things to many people. So we'll just talk a little bit about our approach and what we, the, the working definition essentially of what we are talk, calling shamanism. Um, and shamanism is one of the oldest spiritual traditions in the world. Um, it exists all over the world and has existed all over the world. And its basic premise, very simply, is that everything is alive. Everything has consciousness. Everything has spirit. And um, in the old days, uh, people knew that in order to survive, you needed to be able to communicate directly with nature and with the spirit that they knew was in all things. And um, they developed the abilities and the, the knowledge of how to do that and how to work in that way. Um, shamanism is uh, basically deals with healing. It basically deals with helping to live on this planet in a good way, in harmony with all that exists. I would like to add, um, Andre, that shamanism also is based on two great creative principles or principles of creation as David and I think of them which you'll find in I would guess most of the religions if not all the religions in the world and which makes sense because we see shamanism as sort of the original spiritual tradition um, for humans and the first principle of creation would be that of union that everything is connected that beneath our individuality underneath all of that we're all connected and because of that great principle of union we have the principle of reciprocity as within so without as above so below and so and our ancestors understood this and therefore they treated the rest of the world as as all our relations mm. We certainly do hear this theme over and over again that we we are one and for me certainly shamanism gave me that experience 
And, and I think that's something I really like about it. It's it's experiential. Yeah, it's very no, experiential. Nobody's asking you to believe a certain creed or what somebody else tells you, but it's so experiential. Right. Shamanism, shamans really were the first scientists. They they don't believe mm -hmm. anything unless they experience it for themselves, which is the wonderful thing about mm -hmm. it. And in teaching shamanism, the important thing is is getting people to understand that not to believe what we say, but to believe their own experiences. Um, shamanism works with the concept of what we'll refer to as ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality. Um, and the phrase non-ordinary reality was coined by Carlos Castaneda, who many people are familiar with, having written books about Don Juan. Um, ordinary reality is this world here that we live in. And this is where we have all of our complexities, a lot of you know, joy and a lot of pain and suffering and all of that stuff. Non-ordinary reality is the world of the spirits, is the world where, um, where you can truly connect with what is alive in everything. And the shamans are really masters at being able to go between the worlds, to communicate with the spirits, to learn how to get into an altered state of consciousness, essentially, to go and communicate with the spirits for the purpose of bringing back knowledge, bringing back healing, bringing back power to help us survive, to help us live better, ultimately to help relieve pain and suffering in the world. Um, explain a little bit, maybe in in shaman terms, about um, the different worlds, the upper, middle, and lower worlds, just to give us a little orientation. Sure, um, the shaman. Yeah, again, all over the world. And, and uh, before I, I say that, I just want to mention that, that we're we're working with, and this is what Michael Harner, de you know, developed and teaches through the foundation, the concept of core shamanism. Core shamanism is the elements of shamanism that are the same, that are universal all over the world. There are many different cultures that have many different uh, ways of working and many different um, rituals and ceremonies and, and specific bodies of knowledge. But it was found by anthropologists that it's very, very, there's certain things that are very similar all over the world. And that is what we're working with in, in our work. One of the things that is the same all over the world is the shaman's concept of different worlds, of not only ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality, but within non-ordinary reality, they see the world, the universe, as being divided into three different realms. Um, the the first realm to talk about is the middle world, this world right here. We live in the middle world, um, and the middle world has ordinary reality in it. That's the reality of everyday life where we live. The uh, middle world also has non-ordinary reality in it. That's the spirits in the middle world, spirits of nature, spirits of everything. This table has a spirit. Um, this room has a spirit. All things have spirits. And in the middle world, there are many, many, many spirits and shamans would work in the middle world to to travel great distances and see where the herds were to hunt and things like that. There are two other realms that the shamans work with all over the world, and that is what we call the upper world and the lower world, um, which that division has been adapted by our modern religions to talk about a world above as you know they call heaven, a really great place to go after you're dead, and the world below, which they call hell, which is someplace you kind of want to avoid. 
um, shamans know through experience that both of these places are places of pure compassion, that places where there is nothing that you would encounter in the upper or lower world other than compassion. Right, and since the word religion came up, I would like to add that in the paradigm of core shamanism, uh, we're not practicing a religion. Okay, so there is no dogma, you know, there is no leader. Um, it's a tradition, it's a spiritual tradition, but it's not a religion. And um, as such, shamanism or core shamanism, and I think in most places in the world you could apply this also, as such it's very inclusive, mm -hmm. not exclusive. So we have people from all sorts of different religions and, and, and ethnicities and um, professions and all who can come to this and find something helpful. Oh, I, I can certainly speak to that as a workshop participant because when I went, I didn't know anyone and I didn't know anyone who had gone to one of these workshops. And I was really amazed at the diversity of the people there, but I will say, there seemed to be one common thread. There were a lot of people there that were health people or healers of some sort in a very traditional sense. So I met a lot of counselors there. I met a lot of psychotherapists there. I met a fascinating woman who, um, she had a, a degree in biology from MIT and she was working with autistic children. And she was using what she was learning in the shamanism workshops with the kids that she was working with. So this to me was totally amazing. And this happened in both of the workshops that I went to. Yeah, yeah it is amazing the, the people that do come to this and that do find you know, useful tools in doing this work. We've also had priests at workshops. We've had nuns. We've had rabbis. We've had um, people who are We've had lawyers. We've had lawyers <laughs> and doctors. Great. Yeah. And Great. It, it's particularly exciting, actually, to have doctors at workshops. Yes. Who yes. are working in the, in the modern medical world and yes. working in the shamanic world. And shamans not only are, are scientists, but they are also, they want to take advantage of every opportunity for knowledge and for healing. So they don't say, well, you can't use modern medicine because it, it doesn't work. What they say is, if that works, use it. You, yeah, and I think <laughs> yeah. that's what I liked about this because it was totally about your personal experience and taking away what was useful for you and not believing anything that anyone else told you only from what you experienced. And it doesn't come into conflict with other religions or other beliefs or whatever. Very, very useful information, very practical, and totally fascinating what you experience in these workshops, which maybe is a little segue into uh, talk about journeying a little <laughs> yeah. bit. How do, how do shamans get to these other worlds? And, and when you're uh, going to the, one of these workshops, you're, you're doing what a shaman, the, it's training. In, in shamanistic practices. Right. So what, what do you, how do shamans get to these other worlds? Well, the shamanic journey as we practice it, another way of calling it is the flight of the soul. And so, um, and you can do that. Michael Harner studied in the Amazon initially and learned about journeying through the use of ayahuasca. And, and a lot of people use plant entheogens, but more people around the world, and I believe I'm correct in estimating about 90% of the people who, who journey, who perform the shamanic journey, um, do so very successfully with what we would call um, sonic means, such as the drum mm -hmm. um, or the rattle or mm -hmm. uh, some other instrument. And we use mostly the drum and, and the rattle. And when 
you have the intention to 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 go somewhere, you know, to journey to to the upper world or to the mm -hmm. lower world, for example, your intention really counts. When you have that intention, and then you have the you know you um, allow yourself to experience the vibrations of the drum, it's it's actually very easy. It's something that that I believe we're innately um, built to to do. In fact, we go into a light uh, trance very easily and. Scientists who have measured our brain waves have said that have shown that that um, with the drum we most often are in a light alpha brainwave trance. We we get out of our normal beta brainwave trance, and then also we can get into the deeper ones, the theta and the delta, as the journey proceeds. Um, but the, it's the intention to journey, to leave a part of your consciousness, to have it go to a specific place, to the realm of the spirits, and and that's what gets you there. For anyone who's just um, <coughs> tuned into the show, this is Healthy Options, and today we're talking about shamanism in general, and we're also going to talk about weather shamanism, and we're talking with Nan Moss and, and David Corbin. Um, and I think what Nan was talking about, about the journeying, for me, my personal experience, was really fascinating, because part of that was letting go. Sometimes I have a little hard hard time with that. You know, I so so I think that the repetition of the drumming and there there's something really it just made me feel wonderful even beyond any other experience. There was something about the drumming that that really was terrific. And I and one thing I don't know who mentioned this but at one of the workshops I was in I thought that it was really fascinating the idea that shamanism exists in everything every single culture all over the world mm -hmm. every single one has a history of shamanism and that in our culture we think oh no we don't do this anymore but when <laughs> babies are born what do we give them now we give them a rattle you <laughs> know a the stuffed animal. and a stuffed animal <laughs> and and we always do that every single baby has those two yes, things yes, and when yes, i thought yes. about that i thought wow this is really fascinating it really is and it's you know it, <laughs> One of the hardest things, you talk about letting go, one of the hardest things about teaching this work here or even living with this work in this culture is that we have been trained since very early in our lives that none of this stuff exists. We have been trained very, very carefully and very clearly mm -hmm. to trust only what our five senses can experience, can perceive. Um, and that, you know, limits what we can learn from the universe. Um, to get people to overcome that, to get people to understand that there's more than that. I mean, you can even use logically, if we only believed what was our five senses could experience, we would not be sitting here talking into these strange-looking little devices. That's right. And we wouldn't us, believe in those radio waves. heard hundreds of miles away. That, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's magic. <laughs> a few years ago, I, I wrote an essay, and it was called Looking at Shoes. And it was about how I felt like for so many years of my life, I had walked around looking down at my shoes. And then one mm. day I looked up, <laughs> and I saw this whole expanded world. I saw the sky, and I saw the trees. And, <laughs> and you know, sometimes uh, we do that. We just go around, and we just look down at our shoes. And yeah. we just only see what other people yeah. present to us. And, yeah. and, we, and when you finally have that aha moment of looking up, it is one of the most amazing moments in your life. Absolutely. And we can see also that our concept of reality, even in the scientific sense, is constantly growing, is constantly changing. And that it all fits more together. More and more and more. 
and eventually coming around to the understanding that everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Because now quantum physics is talking about how everything is connected. Exactly. <laughs> and so everything we're and everything that exists came from one little mm-hmm. tiny, you know, very submicroscopic speck that became the Big Bang that became the whole universe. We were all connected at one point in time. And I think in our culture today, we've gotten um, a bit disconnected from nature, and nature is the uh, you know the portal uh, for a lot of these experiences. I remember one day thinking, oh, now I get what the poets are doing. I, I grew up and my parents said, well, it's good literature and you should love poetry, and I really didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was about. And one day I started reading some poetry and I said, oh, these poets understand. They understand what nature is about. And by writing this poem, they are helping us kind of get back to nature again to see all the wonderful things, to see all the opportunities to really have an expanded view of the universe. Absolutely. Just as an aside, um, traditionally in shamanic cultures, the shaman would very often perform the shamanic journey um, in front of the community, singing or chanting the journey as it was happening with an assistant, perhaps drumming in the background softly. And, And it would most always come out in the form of song or poetry. Oh, interesting. So that's like the the language of the sacred. And essentially, you know, shamans were poets. Poets are shamans, in a sense, because the the, the whole concept of metaphor, you know, being able to describe reality in a way that goes beyond what we can perceive, what we can really understand. So poetry, art, all of that is really metaphors that contain so much more information than we're ready to understand at one sitting. Mm-hmm. So it constantly, it's like a time release capsule. It <laughs> right. continues to right. give more and more information right. Right. as you go on. And, and the, what shamans perceive as they do the shamanic journey, very often in communicating with the spirits, the language the spirits use to communicate with is metaphor. And I think a lot of people think, well, I, I couldn't do any of this shamanic journeying. This is just, you know, too strange for me. I, I don't I don't know anything about this. But at night we all dream. Right. And I think that would be we're we're journeying in our dreams and they certainly Absolutely. are metaphorical and they certainly are trying to tell us things through yeah, our dreams. Right. And that's one of the things that we hear constantly in workshops is is they people come thinking they're gonna be trying to learn something that that they've never done before, and they come away thinking, oh, I've been doing this all my life. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Only now I have a yeah. name for it. Now I know what yes. to do with it. Dreaming yeah. and journeying are very closely connected, and some people, especially lucid dreamers, that, that's mm-hmm. really a, a beautiful way for them to work, and they often have a little bit of difficulty in learning how to do the shamanic journey um, during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so we've often yeah. referred to the journey as kind of a waking dream. You know, not uh-huh. a daydream where you're making everything up, but it's nor is it a nighttime dream when you're not a lucid dreamer and you have no control over the events. Mm-hmm. So, in mm-hmm. a shamanic journey, we most often have control over our own actions, but fortunately, not what the spirits want to present to right, us. Right, right. So, yeah. And I, in in my experience too, if you have some kind of a a format or a structure, for instance, the drumming and and the way you go into the journeying. It's, it's kind of like um, then you have something to hang your hat on uh, mm-hmm. because I found 
with the little experience I've had, I just started doing this last summer, but um, I also got a tape that had the drumming on it. And when I would do the journeying, the more I did it, the, the easier it became because the repetition made it just easier for me to get where I wanted to go. And I had a lot of trouble with the letting go thing because other people in the workshop, you know, afterwards, after a journey, they're, they're seeing dragons and they're seeing all these, you know, other stuff. And I'm, what did you see, Andre? Oh, I don't think I saw anything. <laughs> Is that okay? And yeah, that's okay. And then when I started loosening up a little bit, oh, well, then I began seeing a few other little things and I began getting at ease with it. So I think that it becomes a vehicle for getting that information that you need. And like anything else, you know, you need, you need to practice. Practicing. Absolutely. Practice is very important. Shamanism is a discipline and it's a practice and it's a way of life. And it's, it's, it's something that needs to be really done over and over, just made part of your life um, to do that. Uh, right. Shamanism um, is a quality of attention. It's a quality of attention with regard to living your everyday life in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's a quality of attention in the journey as well. Um, what a lot of people mistake for not having a journey experience is perhaps the um, experience of not being able to see anything. So in, in this mm -hmm. ordinary awake mm -hmm. reality, we're very dependent upon our sight. And for beginning journeyers, um, they may not be able to see Mm -hmm. in in a journey state and so so often we've discovered that people think they're not having an experience and so there's a lot we have a lot more ways to pay attention you know well and the other thing i discovered about myself is ever since i think i was born i've been a very intuitive person and i when i took the shamanism workshop i realized how much of a part of my life that was and when i wasn't seeing things, I began to realize that even though sometimes I wasn't seeing things, I was experiencing things, or I was feeling things, or I was, I, I, so maybe my way wasn't so much to see the thing, but it was to feel the thing, because I've, I've lived my whole life through my intuition, and it, and it brought that focus for me to see that my experience might not be totally the same. I might not be seeing, you know, dragons and, and lions and all kinds of other things, but I, I started seeing some things, but it was more I was paying attention to how, how I was feeling and where it was leading me and the information that I was definitely getting. Right, right. And we, we say that shamans see through the heart. So that's yes. a that's our way of saying that image. that the shaman has that quality of attention and, and yes. perceives through heart. Yeah. yeah. Now talk a little bit about um, power animals oh, yeah. because that's another that's one of my favorite subjects uh, yeah. since I love animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things about shamanism and shamans is that um, the power that shamans work with to do their healing work and to do you know the other things they do comes directly from the spirits. And shamans always work with what we refer to as helping spirits, helping compassionate spirits who they meet in, on these journeys to the upper or lower worlds. And there are a number of different types of helping spirits. And, and part of, of learning how to be a shaman or you know, to do shamanism is really learning which spirits are going to be helpful to you, which ones have the power that, that you, know, you need to help in your community. One of the, the types of spirits that shamans universally work with all over the world are animal spirits, um, power animals. And, um, you know, it's considered that in most cultures that uh, when a child is born, you've, uh, an animal spirit comes to you because, you've, you know, they look at this scrawny little 
crawling thing that can't possibly survive in this cold, cruel world. And, you know, they take pity. They have compassion. And that's the key, again, is these spirits are compassionate. And many of them have lived on this planet in, in some way, in some form, and they know the pain and suffering that happens here. So they come to you and they help you and they protect you. So everyone who is alive on this planet at this point very likely has a connection to a what we call power animal, an animal, compassionate animal spirit that has power, that can help you. And just in your everyday life, not knowing anything about shamanism, that animal is there. Many people have you know, interesting synchronicities with certain animals. Whenever they're in trouble, they see a, a, a crow fly by in a certain way or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, if you're working consciously with shamanism, doing healing work and things like that, those connections become even stronger. And you know, there are amazing stories of people having you know, contact with animals in ordinary reality that, that you couldn't possibly have, have made up. <laughs> yeah, animals that just happen to appear right. at yeah. a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last night I was reading over uh, Michael Harner's book, uh, The Way of the Shaman, mm -hmm. and I had noted a passage in there, and I was going to bring it along, but I guess I can just kind of paraphrase it. But he was saying that a shaman would look at people in a Western culture who don't practice shamanism, and that shaman would would see that that person had many power animals or had a power animal when they were a child to bring them through that vulnerable period of life, but they would be saying, oh, this person is an adult, and now they have this power animal, but they don't even recognize it. What, what a shame. That animal is there and willing to help, but they, they just don't see it. They don't recognize it. And, and, and wouldn't it be so beneficial and healing if they had some recognition of, of that? Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to enhance your life, you know, to be yes. in touch with intention, you know, yes. with the helping yes. spirit. And also you, you get the sense, a very clear sense, that we're not alone. Exactly. We're, we're never exactly. alone. We have our own helping spirits and we have, you know, all the spirits around us, rocks and trees and mm -hmm. clouds and all that stuff. And they all have spirits of their own that we interact with ours at the yeah. same time. Um, this is uh, Healthy Options and WERU, and this morning we're talking to Nan Moss and David Corbin about shamanism, and we're going to be talking specifically about weather shamanism. We're going to take a little break, but this is a call-in show, and the call-in number is one 866 625 and after a short break, we will be taking your calls. Thanks for listening. Options. 
This morning we're talking with Nan Moss and David Corbin. We've been having a wonderful talk here about shamanism, um, a subject that I think is totally and completely fascinating, and we have two very experienced and wonderful people here who have been um, telling us about shamanism. This is a call-in show, and so if you would like to call in, the number is one 866 625 9378, and you can ask your question directly to either Nan or David. Um, we're going to continue talking. We've been talking about the basic principles of shamanism, and now we're going to talk about a specialty of Nan and David's, which is weather shamanism. So would you guys like to tell us a little bit what is weather <laughs> and weather shamanism? Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> Talking about shamanism in general and, and helping, you know, to relieve pain and suffering and do healing work, um, shamans in the past worked on a very local level to work with their tribe, their community, um, their own, you know, world, essentially. Um, our world is different right now, and there's a great need for, for healing on a more global level. Um, and there are many aspects of that and many important ways of working. And... Uh, one of the things that, that really attracted our attention, and may, partly because of our own love of weather, <laughs> um, is, you know, all, you know, certainly every day you listen to radio or television or whatever, and you're hearing about global warming, you're hearing about all the controversies, you're hearing about all of the different um, issues involved in our environment. And um, so it, it became very clear to us that working... To, to heal involves working to heal the, the earth and working to heal particularly the weather, uh, working to, to, to connect with the, the spirits of weather. I, I would have to say that um, I've, to date I've practiced shamanism formally for about 20 years. And um, it was I had practiced for a full 10 years before this even occurred to me. And I was astonished that this had not occurred to me before. And, and come to find out, as I dove deeper into the whole subject matter, um, cross-culturally and traditionally, it was a huge part of the shaman's job was to look after the relationship between the human community and the one of the surrounding environs, the realm you know, the weathers, the forests, mm -hmm. all of that, that that was a very important part. I before had thought it was simply about, oh, you heal someone who's sick or you learn something about the nature of reality. So I, I really felt very chagrined when I discovered after, you know, 10 years that there's more to it. And I would just like to, to add a little bit about you introduced us as very experienced. And in the greater scheme of things, it's a really important thing about shamanism is that there is no end to the learning. It's a lifelong and, and or lifetimes long <laughs> endeavor. And um, we really got a wonderful example of this when we worked for about five days with a Siberian shaman. He is the last male shaman of the Olchi tribe. Um, um, he had us call him grandfather. And he was this, this, little, this little guy about uh, four and a half feet tall. And he was an amazing man. When he went to work, he could work for hours and, and not tire. And grandfather told us, he said, he, he had started on his path of being the, the shaman for the community since he was 17 years old. And here he was, 94, and he said, you know, I'm just a baby in this. So. 
Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that, that's talking about living on this planet, knowing, uh, paying attention to what's really going on. You know, we think of weather as something that, you know, we have to get dressed for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, most people either consider it, oh, it's a really nice day or it's a lousy day, and that's about the extent of, mm -hmm. or they have to shovel the snow or whatever. Um, but, yeah, if you really look carefully and pay attention to what goes on in the world, you see that weather is very, very important. If it wasn't for weather, um, we wouldn't be here. There would be no life on this planet. Mm -hmm. Weather has acted in so many ways in forming not only the, the, the shape of the land masses on this planet, but in, in creating the, the conditions for life to exist. Uh, you know, some believe that life came into being from lightning striking a certain you know, mm -hmm. chemistry mix um, to, to you know, hurricanes spreading seeds and taking uh, sp animal mm -hmm. species, birds, long distance and, and essentially seeding continents with life forms from other continents and really spreading life around the world. Right, as much as we bemoan the destructive capabilities of hurricanes, and, and they do inflict a lot of destruction and harm, they are absolutely essential to the life force of our planet, and they were essential to the formation of our living atmosphere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, the, you know, to work as a, a shaman, work shamanically to help what the weather is trying to do on this planet. We're talking about, you know, a time of great storms. You know, if you watch the Weather Channel, like we do a lot, yeah. um, <laughs> sure you, <do. laughs> you hear constantly yep. about the increasing severity and number of st big storms. Um, whether that's due to global warming or whatever, or natural forces, we don't know. But... Um, the point is that we are in a period now where weather is becoming much more of an issue for us. We've been in a fairly uh, stable climate time for a very long time. Now that is beginning to shift. Mm -hmm. um, so if you take a shamanic worldview, which says that everything is alive, everything is connected, that means that in some way we are connected to this environment. We're connected to the weather. And in that sense, there is a way that we can work with it to help if it needs help or where it needs help. Just like somebody who's sick, you know that since there's, uh, we're all connected, you can work shamanically with the spirits to help heal that person. If the environment is sick, which it may be, then you know that you can work with the spirits to try to help heal that sickness. So, so give an example of how shamans use weather to to heal in some way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, to, the working with weather to heal is an interesting, uh, you know, question. As well as cause there's really two ways, two things we're talking about in working with weather shamanism. One is to heal the weather, and the other is working with the spirits of weather as to heal people mm -hmm. or heal other beings. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You can, uh, the main point of weather shamanism is to, as we see it, is, is for humans to work in a collaborative relationship with the spirits of weather, the compassionate spirits mm -hmm. of weather, on mm -hmm. behalf of balance, 
you know, mm-hmm. for, for your realm mm-hmm. um, on behalf of, of keeping things healthy and the life force of the earth. And then there's a whole nother section of shamanic practitioners um, discovering that they may indeed not only have a power animal or in a human form spiritual gonna, teacher, yeah, but they may have this. a weather spirit ally yes. that they can work with on behalf of healing one another as well as mm-hmm. healing the realm. So, um, it's easy for people to picture animals as power animals and helping spirits. So how how do you do that with elements of weather? What what do your what do your spirits look like, feel like, ha- act? You know, how do you connect with them? Pretty much as elements of weather. Okay. Yeah, every, everyone has you, certain weather that they're 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 drawn to. Oh yeah. So um, okay. yeah, some people yes. really love yes. fog. Some people really love yes. storms. And just yes. like some people really love bears, and some people really love eagles. And that's so, really interesting. So that's a way yeah. of beginning okay. to understand what spirits of weather are, are drawn to. So noticing to. what, is, what yeah. you're drawn to yeah. and, yeah. Right, and paying attention and honoring all the elements of weather. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they all have spirit, they all have important functions in the world, whether they personally appeal to us or not. That's that's the beginning, the honoring, the respectful approach and, and the gift of our attention here in this ordinary reality. And then, but that's not all of it. If you were to find, if you were to seek out a helping spirit of weather, then it's a relationship that needs to be called cultivated and and the way we would begin that relationship beyond the paying attention respectfully here in ordinary reality would be to to work in in the journey form you know to Mm -hmm. journey to their realm we we actually have um, people in our weather shamanism workshops seek out a weather spirit ally in the reliably compassionate worlds of the upper world or the lower world so you have you have their their persona, their spirit here in this middle world, but you also have a very reliably compassionate aspect of that spirit and, and a very wise aspect of that spirit, that element in the upper or lower world. So that's where we have people begin. And then you're connecting, you're connecting up with that other world. I mean, Absolutely. Back to my thing about looking at my shoes for all those years. <laughs> you know, when you first look up, you see the trees and you see other things around you that are earthbound but there is that other huge part when you look up at the sky which is ever changing ever changing and and I think there are a lot of people probably like myself I you know showing you the the big deck on the back of my house and what I I do a lot is I sit out there and I watch the clouds because the clouds are so totally and completely fascinating to me that I'm just drawn to them like a magnet. There's something about the open. I want to be out of the tree. I love trees, but I want to be out of the trees and I want to see that sky. And one of the reasons that that attracts us so much, I think, is because in talking again about the precepts of of shamanism in which everything is connected and all, you know, as above, so below, at some level we know that those clouds are a reflection of what's going on inside of us. That there are that weather, and the, yeah, everything has weather. We have weather inside of us. I'm going to butt in on you for a second here because you're just saying it's perfectly because David just said as above so below and we have weather going on everywhere. Do you remember driving into the radio station here this yes. morning? Yes. We're on the bridge. Talk about that. Exactly. Yes. And all of a it's sudden wonderful. you and I both noticed it because we were on that side of the car. Yeah. We look below in the river oh. and here's this incredible reflection of the clouds. <laughs> you know, the sky. Oh, it was surreal. And we had to look down to yes. see it. It was, it was really Yes, it was a perfect reflection and yeah. we were up high Beautiful. on the bridge. Right. And it was 
was absolutely spectacular. So if the weather. So there's our metaphor. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly, a yeah. perfect metaphor. Yes. And since weather is a reflection of what's going on inside of us emotionally, and we even speak that way when someone we is getting do. angry, we, we say, do. "Oh, there's a storm about to break." <laughs> right, <laughs> right. right. Um, he thundered. Yes. Um, <laughs> So even on the radio, when they um, give the stock market report, they have two different songs, and one of them is Stormy Weather, you know, and the other one is, I don't know, something about sunshine. So we use those metaphors. We've been hearing the Stormy Weather one an awful lot lately. They also talk about animals, too. Well, the bear and the bulls. That's right. That's right. The same thing. So all of this is really embedded in our culture in ways that we don't even realize until you stop and actually look at where these expressions come from. In our psyches. So taking that. Taking that a step further, if the weather and the clouds are, are a reflection of something that's going on inside of us, perhaps um, we can affect the weather by changing what's inside of us. Okay, and well, I want to remind listeners that this is a call-in show, and if you have a question for either Nan or David, please call us. I'm going to give you the number again. It's one 866 6259378 and we're talking with uh, Nan Moss and David Corbin about shamanism and right now we're specifically talking about the weather and weather shamanism quite a, a fascinating topic so if you do have questions please do call in so continue with what you were just saying because I think that's fascinating yeah you know again if everything is connected everything affects everything else and weather affects us clearly we know that we feel differently on a cloudy day than we do on a sunny day mm-hmm. maybe the day feels differently when we are happy or we are sad maybe the weather can respond in some way to what is going on inside of us and is the weather a metaphor for what's actually happening in our culture and around the world now. And oh, that, absolutely. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 the correlation is almost scary yeah. when you think of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and are there ways, does, oh, we have a call on the line, so we are going to go ahead and take that caller. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, thank you. Go ahead with your question. Um, this is Peggy. I'm from Ellsworth, and I was wondering if there are any drumming groups and um, well, either meditation or shaman workshops that happen with drumming. Um, we go to a, a folklore festival in the, in the summer over in uh, Sherman, New York, and there's a lot of drumming and, you know, teaching of various things. <laughs> um, so I, I was wondering if there's anything nearby that happens, you know, throughout the year. I know there's a group in, I think, Monroe, um, but do you know of any? Well, Peggy, and I, what comes to mind is in Montville. Montville, um, that's right. Right, Susan and, and yeah. Chris Bacali Marshall. They have, I think it's a monthly drumming circle, and I know yeah, they present moon, at the oh, Full Moon <laughs> Circle, and they mm-hmm. also present at the Common Ground Fair, mm-hmm. um, Shamanism, and they, they probably have other things, too. And, and Susan is, a, is an art therapist, and her practice is based also on shamanism. So oh, is it? They're okay. lovely people. I would recommend them. Well, I had their phone number a while back. <laughs> I don't <laughs> You can email us if you don't, yeah, yeah, if you need to that. get Okay, and your address. email address is? Um, uh, yeah, dscorb at earthlink.net. Okay, uh, D? D. D is in David, S-C-O-R-B. Yeah. Okay. okay. And do At you, Earthlink? Do you have a circle? Yeah, yeah. Earthlink.net. Earthlink. Yeah. Okay. okay. I kn- 
know. And there, there are other circles in, in, in Maine. I don't know, you know, right. close to where you are. I'm in Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, well, our, we have one, but it's way down in Portland. Yeah, and there are other ones that we know of down <laughs> in the Portland area talk as about, well. Talk about your one in Port Clyde. Uh, we have a circle in Port Clyde. Right now, we, we have a circle that's been meeting for about 10 years now, and we have established um, open meetings uh, according to interest. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, we tell people, especially after they've had our basic workshop, we say, sure. if you're interested, um, give us an email, and we'll let you know. We'll, we'll establish an open meeting. Right, right. Well, I, I really connect with um, <laughs> just about everything you're saying, so this is exciting. I'm okay. glad to... Wonderful. Uh, yeah. yeah, great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank for you for calling. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, see, the, um, yeah, weather is, is such a, a fascinating subject for so many people. Um, and, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, when strangers meet on the street, you talk, start talking about the weather. <laughs> right, the thought, your yeah. intro. It's always they, a, they say, how topic. are you, and how's the weather? You know, talk about the weather. <laughs> right, right. Again, that yeah. connection between the two is really quite and certainly remarkable. the metaphor of yeah. weather is. Yeah. is so um, the times that we're in right now, it seems um, quite uh, important to be talking about weather shamanism now with the state of weather being in in turmoil at times and also reflective of what's happening in the world economy and things around around the world. So, um, well, I, I think one thing I want to go back about shamanism th through the Shamanism Foundation is that um, if you take an introductory course, and correct me if I'm not right about this, you take an introductory course, then after that introductory course, you can go to all of these other workshops on shamanism uh, and there are programs if you want maybe we should talk right. about that because I don't want to run out of time talk about sure. the two week and the three year programs okay the, the two if you have the, what the introductory course we refer to as the basic um, yes and we're actually going to be teaching that in the Boston area this coming weekend and then mm -hmm. in the beginning of July next summer here in Port Clyde but if you once you've got the basic under your belt um, you can take any of the weekend advanced courses that that are offered and you can also take the two-week course which we just finished teaching um, down in at a place called Seven Oaks in Virginia outside of mm -hmm. Charlottesville um, there's also the three-year program and that's the most advanced program the foundation has offered and it's actually where David and I met in the first East Coast three-year program <laughs> a long time ago very life-changing <laughs> and um, that requires not only a basic but two advanced courses and an application. And the, the advanced mm -hmm. work that uh, that we teach through the foundation includes things like further work with spirits of nature, particularly, and also specific healing techniques, mm -hmm. um, how to how to extract illness from someone, and also working on various divination techniques, which is getting answers to questions, getting um, you know answers from the spirits, information, mm -hmm. and also a very important aspect of shamanism, which we haven't really talked about is that the shaman also helps those who are dying or are dead, helping the spirits of the dead to move on. Um, call that psycho Transition. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, mm -hmm. So all of that is part of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies uh, work that we do. We teach the weather shamanism workshops also, which are actually not connected directly with the Foundation. That's our own mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. um, uh, that we do. Um, so you, know, you can do that. 
um, without getting involved with the other foundation mm -hmm. stuff, although, of mm -hmm. course, we recommend taking the basic workshop. To do the, the weather workshop specifically, um, it is important to have a good foundation in shamanic journeying knowing and connection mm -hmm. with with compassionate spirit helpers and knowing basically a little bit about having the, some experience with that yeah. the core shamanism right. principles right right um in in one of the workshops that i took i know we did use your your cards the cloud cards yeah. so would you would you talk about those a little bit because i thought those were great oh i'm glad you enjoyed yeah it. do you have a copy by the way uh, no, I don't. Oh, that sounds <laughs> like Christmas. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the book itself, Weather Shamanism, took about a decade to write. And about halfway through, us getting so bogged down in, in concept and words that, <clears throat> excuse me, that my helping spirit said, well, why don't you just paint? something, you know, paint images for the chapters. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I don't paint. And I thought, oh, well. And then I thought about it some more. I thought, well, you know, I do love pictures of clouds. Maybe I could paint clouds. And I thought, I can't paint. And clouds don't hold still. And then I thought, well, maybe I could <laughs> photograph clouds. And of course, I had been photographing clouds anyway. So yeah. one thing led to another. And it was an extraordinary summer um, here in Maine of not only reaching back into old work, old photographic work of cloud images, but also of new cloud images. And, and before, I had, had complained, since we live on a peninsula, that the clouds are so often really flat and gray and dull, and yeah. there's not much activity, not compared to the mountains, when I lived in the Rocky <laughs> Mountains and that sort of thing. And, but that summer, the clouds outdid themselves. It, it really they put showed on a show me. for you. You know, it actually, yeah. yes, yes. It, it was it was the gift yeah. of, of it was reciprocity. It was the gift yeah. of my attention. I, they were mm -hmm. on my mind day and night. Mm -hmm. You know, just constantly, and they just came back and and show. I, there were clouds here that I've never seen mm -hmm. since. You've got, really got to see these cards because oh, the, the photographs are incredible. Yeah. They, they they really are. And yeah. I think when you when you pick one of those cards and and you use it as metaphor suddenly you're yeah. seeing all kinds of things you in your do. life that you never thought about before right and, and people see different things from the same card mm -hmm. and the cards are they're not like static representations they're, they they move and they change i tell people in truth and it still is the truth every time i pick up a card even though i'm intimately familiar with each image i see something different I mean, I can still see some of the same things, but I see something additional. Well, and, yeah. and probably because you are so intimately related with the cards, they work even better for you. Yeah. I think the more you use those images, uh, the clearer the connection becomes and the, and the information flows much easier. And the other right. thing I liked about the cloud cards is you, I found that if I held them different ways... Yes. You know, that that I got different things out of them. Oh, absolutely. So it was like it was like having you know four different cards instead of one because I was turning it one way and seeing one thing. And I think we've all had that experience of going outside and looking at the clouds, and you know, pretty soon you're seeing animal shapes or you're right. seeing you know all kinds of things right. in the images yeah. of the clouds. They're so well, metaphorical. Yeah, the point. I know David's trying to get a word in edgewise, but the point of the cloud things, the cloud cards, as the spirits presented it to us, was twofold. Number one, to help people understand as above so below as within so without that we're all connected and number two to get across to people that um that the weather is alive and responsive 
to us and to and to our emotions and feelings, even as we respond to the weather. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and the clouds are like the the perfect introduction to the aliveness of the weather spirits for most people. Most of us have those experiences of lying on the ground as, as children gazing at the clouds mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. master teachers of of change another great principle of life on this planet change and the change is always happening just exactly. as those clouds are always moving along exactly. can yeah. can we influence the weather can oh, yeah. shamans influence the weather yeah is well that that's thing? that's yeah <laughs> kind of getting to the bottom line of what okay. what shamanism is about is is, is uh what's really going on here and the question can shamanism influence the weather the answer to that would have to be yes, but you know it's very complex as well, and it's a question not of controlling the weather or making it do what you want, but working mm-hmm. in harmony with the spirits of weather to help the weather do what it needs to do. Right. It can't be what you think needs to be done. It has to be really what's what is truly needed for the realm, and and you have to also consider the downwind effects. So our work is absolutely not about controlling the weather about relating right and if you want to mm-hmm. make yeah. that clear it's relating yeah. to the weather and recognizing the useful things the weather does for the planet this is a call-in show we have a couple more minutes so if you do want to call um we're almost at the end of our show and so <coughs> i would like to thank nan and david for mm-hmm. coming in today please give us your contact information yeah, um, yeah, our website, which is really, you know, as most people have now, the center of all communication, right. um, www.shamanscircle.com. That's S-H-A-M-A-N-S-C-I-R-C-L-E, shamanscircle.com. And we have our full schedule of workshops on that and, and other contact information. Um, email is uh, dscorb at earthlink.net. And I'm npmoss at earthlink.net. We'd like to thank you all very much for listening this morning. Remember that Healthy Options is the first Wednesday of every month at 10 o'clock. Thanks for listening. I'm Andre Bella, and we'll hope that you stay well and be happy. Thank you, Andre. Thank thanks you. for coming, and thanks, everybody, for listening.